back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hola! Sandra and Scotty Rollett. Good evening. Hey, y'all. And the pages of their book. If you'd like to get to know more about Awakening Reformation podcasts, we are a part of Rebel Alliance Media, so go to rebelalliancemedia.com. You can find two other podcasts. One is Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids, which is a podcast on church history that we record with our kids. It comes out on Mondays. And we also have the Rebel Podcast, which is P. Nate and Poots Poots from Canada. And their podcast comes out on Wednesdays. Go follow our social media accounts. There are videos that are put out every week there's blogs on the websites every week if you haven't liked us on facebook or instagram or twitter you need to go do that like push pause and then go like our social media accounts go engage with us go like share do all the stuff invite your friends to like the pages rate review all that stuff we appreciate it's really helpful because it actually is one of the easiest ways for you guys to spread our content and like push like bump us up in the ratings listings um when people search christian podcasts or reform podcasts if you rate review and share our stuff it will basically push us to the front of the line so please do please do that anything else um this week we have our advent released so i hope that you either personally or with some friends or with your family are taking part in the advent that we put together for this year every day there will be a new blog post on the website basically a daily bible study leading you up to christmas and the birth of our savior yeah we had a really fun time putting that together with the rowlets oh yeah it was definitely a lot of fun you should check it out up on them interwebs (laughs) all right so, we are getting back to our bite-sized Burkoff series tonight. Hey, Scotty, how do you spell Burkoff? You spell Burkoff, B-E-R-K-H-O-F. Hey, I- Grant, how do you spell Burkoff? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I spell Burkoff sans the H. So, these first few episodes, I goofed and spelled my own fellow Dutchman his name wrong and you won't live it down ever oh the same thanks thomas i'm so sorry mr brookoff the swift correction (laughs) i feel like i've disgraced my own you know it's not a good feeling you have that's okay though he's dead he is dead so tonight we're actually starting to get into the book and out of the introduction we are talking about the doctrine of god and his creation yeah and we are starting with the being of god the essential nature of God. Yeah, and this beginning part is also commonly called theology proper in a lot of systematic theology books. So it won't get into the Trinity or the persons of the Trinity yet and what those three persons do. It's kind of that very tip of the spear. We'll get into the Trinity later on. Yeah, just this first section is generic. And that's why theology proper, it's Doctrine of God, just his being and stuff. So, the being of God, the knowledge of God. Burkhoff breaks it down into two different ways that we know God. 
One is an innate or an inborn knowledge of God. And the second one is acquired knowledge of God. So how would you guys describe the innate or inborn knowledge? Innate knowledge of God is the inborn sense that under normal conditions, spontaneously, you have a knowledge of God because of just naturally you would have this knowledge. Well, when we talked in Revelation, how God reveals himself in creation in certain ways through his acts in creation, that this is what I think Burkhoff's talking about as far as gaining knowledge about God through revelation. Through natural revelation, would you say? Yeah, and I think Burkhoff's being general in this first section on purpose, because I think it's all the different types of revelation that God gives us knowledge of himself, you know? But when he gets into acquired knowledge, that would be more of the special revelation or the supernatural revelation. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out, too, you read it, Scotty, where Burkhoff mentions under normal conditions. I think what he's trying to say there, though, is without sin. Without sin, this was just what was going to happen. It's how God created us is to be born into this world and know him. I think it also, um, as far as like, it depends uh, solely on God being himself recognized and going back to that natural right uh, knowledge. Right. And that, again, goes back to the incomprehensibility of God. We don't have the ability to just attain knowledge of God or know him fully, but we know him truly as he has revealed himself to us. And that one aspect of that is that he has made us to innately know him. Mm-hmm. As human beings. In the very beginning of this section, Burkhoff says that it is not impossible for man to know God with an absolute, all comprehensive knowledge, to fathom the infinite depths of the divine being. But while we can know God only in part, his knowledge is nevertheless real and true knowledge. Just because we can't know all of who God is, because we can't understand like the depths of his divine being doesn't mean that the knowledge that we do have is untrue because we don't have all of it. What we do have is true knowledge, though we can't know all that there is to know about God. Well, and this is a typical argument from agnostics Mm -hmm. that, well, you can't know him anyway. So what's the point? And what we're saying is, yeah, you're right. We can't know him fully, but God has revealed himself so that we can know him truly, mm-hmm. not comprehensively and in every way to the depths, like you said, you know, fathomably, like to the very depths of his being. But it's the same with every person in the world. You you don't know anybody else fully in the complete depths of their being, but you do know things true about them. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's a silly argument and it sounds very intellectual when people say that but really it's it's really dumping your brain because you you don't want to actually do the work to know what god has revealed mm-hmm. to us and this should be fuel for the study of theology anyway is that god has revealed himself in a way that we can know truly so if innate knowledge then is just the knowledge of God in what he has revealed in his creation, what he has revealed in just the world around us mm-hmm. that would point us to a creator. Right. Here's, a, here's a created thing that should point us to a creator. Then acquired knowledge would be just the opposite. With the acquired knowledge, that puts more of the requirement on man as far as man is responsible for discovering the knowledge of God and his being. 
the truth about him. Yes. Whereas the uh, innate or inborn knowledge has the requirement on God revealing himself. Acquired knowledge is the requirement on man to yeah. discover him. Yeah. I mean, I think acquired knowledge is, is kind of self-explanatory, I guess, as long as you know what the word acquire means. I mean, it's gained knowledge. It's increased knowledge. Through... It doesn't arise sponta- spontaneously yeah, in the exactly. mind, but results from the conscious and sustained pursuit of knowledge. Yep. So reading, studying, listening, asking questions. Right. That general pursuit we all do with a topic or subject that we're interested in. Right. So learning from scripture, who God is, would be like acquired knowledge. You understand just from looking at the creation that, yes, there must be a creator because here's all this stuff. Yeah. And then an acquired knowledge would be finding God's word, scripture, and finding out in more detail who God is mm-hmm. in his being. Yeah. The seeking of, of who he is. Mm-hmm. Right. I think uh, Burkhoff puts it pretty well with, uh, it can be obtained only by the wearisome process of perception and reflection, reasoning and argumentation, and therefore depends on the voluntary direction of the will and the persistent efforts of man. I love, though, how, you know, even though it's like an acquired knowledge and how Burkhoff explains it and goes all into it, I loved how he goes back around and he he goes, it's only possible because man is born with the capacity to know God. So, like, yeah. it's still not you. Yeah. It's right. still not you. God gave you that capacity. I just want yep. to bring that all back around to you. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because in as much as we love to, like, toot our own horn, God still gave you the ability to even comprehend facts. Aren't you always saying to uh, knowledge can puff up? We have to be careful of that, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. So true. That's a really good point. The being of God is known from God's revelation. While it is not possible to give a de- definition of God in the strict sense of the word, it is possible to give a general description of his being. Many so-called definitions have been given of God, but it is perhaps best to describe him as simply a pure spirit of infinite perfections. This description contains the following elements. So the first one he mentions is God as a pure spirit. Okay, so basically God as a pure spirit, that he is essentially spirit. He is self-conscious, self-determining, he's intelligent and moral. Um, He's rational and capable of self-determination. And this is talking about, you know, what, what is the core of his being is what mm-hmm. we're talking about here and it is hard and i'm glad that burke hoff uh is humble at the very beginning of this and says it's difficult to give a definition i like that because it would be pretty arrogant for us to say here i can i can define and tell you what god is and what god is not you know like definitively so it's it, i'm glad that he's honest and humble at the beginning and then he reverts straight to scripture in john when the samaritan woman and Jesus are talking, and it says in that passage, God is spirit. That is there. Again, scripture giving us the definition for God. And in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question four is, what is God? And the answer to that question is, God is spirit, infinite, eternal, and changeable, and his being, yep, wisdom, exactly. power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. God is a spirit in his being. And like he said, he is a spirit with infinite perfections, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the Westminster just said, too. He's spirit, infinite, eternal in his being, you know. It's, mm-hmm. So that is the idea. He's not a man. Put out a negation. He's not man. He's not human. So he's spirit. But he's not 
angels, because they had a beginning. He's eternal. He's self-determinate, which we'll get into that a little bit more Mm -hmm. later, too, with attributes of God. But yeah, first of all, he's spirit. Yeah. Being of God is spirit, essentially infinite and perfect. Yep. Secondly, God is personal. Like when we talk about people like, oh, he's such a personal, he's so personal. We think he's personable. He's good at holding a conversation with a stranger or a stranger feels comfortable around him. What what Burkhoff talks about is that he has a personality. Personality of God is clearly indicated in the traces of intelligent and purposeful action in the world. Uh, in the rational, moral, and religious nature of man, all of which can only be the product of a personal God. Yeah, and this this is in clear contrast to most world religions' definition of God, where God is this free-flowing force or energy or a non-personal entity. A lot of people that try and say that they're spiritual and say, well, I believe in a higher power. Right. Or a higher being or something. Well, that's impersonal. But and God is personal. But God is personal. Like Scotty just read from yep. Burkhoff that he is, um, he makes, you know, decisions and has a purpose. And we'll see later on too, he speaks with us. And you can tell um, he has a personality. Mm-hmm. Through the uh, Old New Testament, God has that personal relationship. I mean, with the Israelites, uh, uh-huh. he has that relationship where he uh, sustains them through trials and difficulties. He also fills them with joy with, uh, from the victories. So, and then he also goes through and punishes them when they're unfaithful and disobedient. Right. Yep. So it's, you know, it's that one on one personal God. Yeah, he was their God. God is infinitely perfect. He's boundless or limitless, that he is exalted above all his creatures in his majesty and um, distinguished from the attributes of his creatures. Yeah, this just points out that common creator-creature distinction, basically. Yeah. Um, Burkhoff points out, and he actually names some Mm -hmm. names, he says, some modern scholars, such as William James and H.G. Wells, deny the infinity of God. They conceive of God as finite, developing, struggling, suffering, sharing with man his defeats and victories. And what I think is super interesting about that statement, that God isn't infinitely perfect, that he can develop. I think that's super interesting because it's so dispensational. That God can develop a plan and his plans can fail and he has to change as the creation changes and fails, and he has to develop and struggle as well. That was just a rough patch. Well, there is the the theology called open theism, which mm-hmm. is basically that God can change, God is not immutable. And most dispensationalists, though, would call them heretics. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, they're... Theology is very... It require If they're being consistent, it requires them to not view God as infinitely perfect. Yeah. They would have to well, deny that if they're being true. consistent. That's a very interesting connection there, hon. Okay. Number four. God and his perfections are one. Simplicity is one yeah. of the fundamental characteristics of God. I can remember thinking this was so profound. Even though God has multiple characteristics, he's still one. He's right. He's not different parts that make up one. Yeah. He's absolutely all of them. 
So he's absolute in each and every one of these. He's not just like, oh, he's a little bit of this. Within all of his attributes, he's all-encompassing. I think the way Burkhoff says it basically is that the whole of his essence is in each one of the attributes. Yeah. It's not like this side of God is loving, this side of God is just, and this side of God is what, like, no, he's, all of God is just, all of God is loving, all of God is all of his attributes at once. He's never lacking in mercy, and that's why, like, his wrath came out. But haven't you heard people say that, that the God of the Old Testament was the God of wrath, and the God of the New Testament is the God of love? Because now we're in an age of grace. Yep. But they don't understand that this, this concept well and if you think if you think of creation and if we humans are made in the image of god and we have all these different personality traits and characteristics if god is the source then he has to be all of it and obviously him being infinite and eternal in his being he has to be all of it in an infinite manner at least burkoff says god's perfections are god himself as he has revealed himself to man They serve but to give a more detailed description of his divine essence. Yeah. And also with uh, a parent, if they're angry with a child, they still love that child. So to say that the God uh, of the Old Testament is the God of wrath, it's not taking away. I mean, you're in essence taking away that he did not love his people, the Israelites, during that time. I've heard, I think it was D.A. Carson, that the God of the Old Testament said... Obey me or I'm going to kick you out of the land for a little while. And then that's what happened. Whereas Jesus was like, believe in me or you're going to go burn forever and ever. In some ways, it actually kind of got worse in the New Testament. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they just don't understand the overarching narrative of scripture anyway. Right. And it's, once again, a very dispensational way of viewing all of scripture. They don't see it as one story. They see it as different chunks different dispensations in time. So God acted in different ways during each dispensation. And it also denies that his perfections are one when taken to its logical ends. We relate to God the same way throughout all of time, which is covenantally by faith. I mean, I know growing up for the most part, I mean, it was like, oh, you know, you need to know like the basic stories. You need to know Moses, Noah and the Ark. Okay. We've read them. You were taught it in Sunday school. Now just basically focus on, you know, the Gospels and you're good. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I think it's just bad Bible teaching in general. I I don't think that we teach scripture and the importance of it as much as we should anymore. It's just pretty much, you know. Yeah. Go to to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. Make sure your kids are doing a, you know, a VBS and Awanas. Not that Awanas or anything's bad, but pretty much it. You're good. You're set. Yep. So the being of God, he's spirit, infinite, eternal in his perfections. He is simple, being of one essence. And scripture is always the number one place that we go to to learn, to acquire knowledge of God and what he is like. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode and enjoyed your bite-sized Burkhoff episode. We'll work on our spelling. We are going to correct our spelling. We're going to run a little spell check. You know, that's something we have nowadays. Well, you know what I was thinking? I wonder if spell check wasn't what got us into this mess to begin with. Like, autocorrect. That's true. Maybe because it's a Dutch way of spelling. It was like, no, it's wrong. Definitely not as fun as blaming Grant, though. That's true. (laughs) I love all of you guys. We love you, too. Other times. 
Not right now. Strictly platonic. Are you guys good? We're good. Yeah. Awesome. I hope you tune in next week to get another bit of bite-sized Burkhoff. And we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. Until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin. The effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames, left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames, cause we're powerless to change, if you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily, as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches, will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nick at night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't receive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen Jesus. The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation The situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who has given new birth from above